Hello and welcome to the next edition of this Harrington Star podcast. Whether it's Fintech Focus TV you're listening to or our diversity and inclusion specials, we hope you're enjoying the shows and please do subscribe to make sure you never miss an episode. Enjoy the show. Welcome to the Women of Fintech podcast series. We're here today to celebrate the wins, raise awareness of the challenges, and walk the walk for change across the entire industry. Today, we are joined by Randa Bennett, the CEO and founder of Vilu, a payment approval service that enables teens and teenagers to shop online safely and independently whilst giving parents visibility and control. And she's here to share her story. Welcome, Randa. Thank you very much for being on the series. Thank you for having me, Nadia. So what would be great is if you could just open up by telling us a little bit more about your business and what it actually does. So VLoop, as you mentioned, VLoop is a payment approval service for kids and teenagers. So basically the kid will be shopping on their own online, which happens a lot. And when they get to check out, they choose to fill up a basket. They choose to pay with VLoop. Um, we just ask them to put in their mum or dad's email address and they send that basket to mum and dad, who in their own time can come to VLoop and say, you can have this, you can have this, no, you can't have that. And only the parent checks out and pays. This makes it very safe for children because we do not share any kids' data. We do not store any kids' data. And everything that's done by the child is supervised and approved by the parents, basically. Yeah, and I can see that that safety has, just has to be paramount when it comes to this product and everything that Absolutely. you stand for. Absolutely. Especially in recent years, there are so many cases um, of children ordering stuff on Amazon without the parents knowing, and then they end up having thousands of pounds of um, bills or, or, or downloading gaming and gaming features without the parent knowing because the parent will put their credit card in and not knowingly the child is constantly adding features not knowing that they're being charged um, I think there was a case once when the parent got charged about £4,000 yeah. for a, for a, a, through a gaming app um, and we actually written a white paper about that topic and how um, you know it, it is a risk for uh, retailers to handle kids data and to handle payment even if the kids have their own card there's still an element of risk and we take away that risk by making sure that the parent is always in the loop yeah yeah absolutely and i do remember that um it was about four and a half thousand pounds and you know it's one one side of um one side of the, the whole sales process is make it easy for people but the other side got to make sure it's safe especially when it's when it comes to children so um that's that that really explains what you do now what about your role as founder and ceo i know that you know ceo is is all encompassing and i can imagine that that your role entails quite a lot so it'd be good to share that with us Yes, sure. Um, so it's interesting how my role evolved as a CEO because when I first started VLoop, I I had so many different hats, and I one minute I'll be the tester because I I came up with the idea. I had a couple of developers that were helping me do it. So for a minute I was the BA coming up with the requirements. Then I was the tester testing the system, and and I was the marketing person. So I did all of that, and I had different hats. But as the company started to grow and we raised funding, we started growing the team, and everybody had their role. 
my role completely changed from being completely hands-on to just gelling the team together and making sure that we're all working to the vision. Um, so, so I, and I struggled with that at the beginning um, because I just felt I'm not doing as much hands-on work as I used to. And I discussed this with my mentors and our investors and, and they actually reassured me that this is how a CEO role is. You know, you basically just, um, you're there for your team, removing obstacles from their way, um, making decisions when they need decisions to be made and, and refocusing them all the time. Because with a startup, things change so quickly and we respond to them so quickly. So our priorities are always changing. So the team will be working on something really important today, but in two days time, something more important will come up. So my job is to get the team to kind of refocus again. So that advice is really good to, pe to people listening to this series, because I think there'll be a lot of people out there that will have started up their own idea. They would have had their own vision and they would have built their own company. And they're probably at the point where where you were, where you're doing everything and you're totally hands-on and your, your fingers are in so many different pies and you were in control of it all. And then now you have to move on to the C-level position where you're removing obstacles, where you're refocusing the team all the time and pretty much you're there for them day in, day out. And I think just me listening to that, that's a, that's a great bit of advice that that was a, a journey that you went through. But I think people listening to this series, they'll be making notes on what you said there on how you felt about it because yeah. it's, it's not necessarily something that people talk about. They just say, I did everything and now I do everything from a different point of view. But actually bringing that up is really useful. Um, now, I, I kind of want to draw a bit more on that because what I'm really interested in is your journey prior to B-Loop that allowed you to be able to do so much and then take that journey on to become CEO. Could you tell us a bit more about that, please? My, so I started my career as a, a management consultant, um, more and more into technology, actually. Um, and um, I did that for a while. Then I moved on to uh, managing projects and managing programs. And interestingly, being a project manager, is is very similar to being a CEO, but on 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 a different level, um, and and I always draw on that experience. So when you when you start when a, a project manager is basically somebody who's trying to bring a team together to deliver something, and most of the time, which the methodologies don't tell you, um, the Prince two and, and all of these and all the different methodologies never tell you that actually your day-to-day -day job is removing obstacles from your team's way um, when you're trying to deliver something. And, 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 it, and that's, but, it, but the difference there, when I was a project manager, I wasn't the decision maker. You're almost like the facilitator for the decisions because you have stakeholders that make the decisions for you, mm -hmm. but you just need to engage them in the right way. So I think, so that's how kind of my leadership roles started. And then mm -hmm. I moved to larger projects and larger programs. Um, but it, it's an experience I always draw on, you know, how to bring the team together, how to engage them, how to keep them motivated. And again, I think um, it really, um, it really opens my eyes to um, the source of CEO you are, that it is putting your team first to allow for your vision to, to, to happen, um, which kind of takes me on to my next question. So I love knowing the light bulb moment for when people have started up their own company. Yeah. Where, where did that come from? 
Well, uh, my daughter, who is 16 now, and she was about 12, he would literally follow me around the house with the laptop in my face and uh -huh. going, can you pay for this? Can you pay for this now? And I have a younger daughter and she always picks the wrong moments. I'll be putting her younger sister in bed and she's like, please pay for it. I'm really, and everything is very urgent with, with teenagers. <laughs> and um, okay. So I, I kind of thought to myself, why, why can't she send me that? And I can look at it in my own time because I don't feel comfortable putting my card details into her uh, computer and sometimes you know the browser saves it or whatever and um, I'd rather look at it give her advice guide her a little bit as well about how to spend online I don't want to be doing it in a rush um, and, and that's how kind of I thought okay well let me look at it technically and as I'm always I'm managing technical projects I have I have the teams all over the world that I work with I started running the idea past people um, and I also started to do market research to see, is this, is this the same behavior in other houses? Um, do teenagers behave like that? And, I, and to my surprise, I found that most kids do that. They stick an iPad in parents' faces or a laptop. And I actually often say that and I get giggles from the audience when I'm pitching uh, because mums completely connect to it. Um, and, and that's how kind of the light bulb moment and I found out that it does happen in most households and therefore um, I started a business to fix that problem. Well I, I love that story because it's just it's so personal and it's so real and you know that it's something that's happening to to every, every other family out there <laughs> so there's definitely a need isn't there? Um, yes absolutely. So what would you say in the business are the biggest challenges you face and overcome as a company? Oh, it depends on the week, I would say. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> with, with a startup, we, the, the range of problems do change and um, there is always something that you need to overcome and we managed to overcome it and grow. Uh, but the, the major challenges that we faced were, for example, raising money. And that was, that was a difficult challenge. But that is not just to me. I think that challenge is across the board. Raising money is a very difficult thing. But it's doable. You know, whether you're a male or female, I believe it's, 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 it's doable. And we've done it. We've done it a couple of times. Yes, absolutely. And and yeah, you're absolutely right that it's it's doable because look how many new new businesses are are, are out here that are suddenly with, with their new ideas and, and being built from the ground up. Um, but also there is so much out there um, on the internet where we know that it is a challenge. So um, it's definitely a good one to mention. I, I also wanted to explore with you when it comes to diversity and inclusion within the industry. Um, I know that you are quite passionate about, and you've just mentioned there, men and women, like you're quite passionate about being the best you can be rather than being the best of the females in the room. And I think that's a real, um, that, that's something that I'm quite passionate about as well. So I just wanted you to share your thoughts on that. Yeah, sure. So I love being mentioned in all these various lists and I, it makes me feel very, very proud. And there is a lot going on at the moment to bring attention to what women are doing. So there is a lot of female focused 
lists out there and I think it is the right thing to do while the gap is big and especially I mean it's always good to do positive discrimination when there has been negative discrimination for the last you know tens of years we should say or more actually so so we need a boost of positive discrimination however if you ask me personally um I of course get more satisfaction from an achievement where I've competed in the real world where I've competed against um, you know men as well so recently we won um, the West London Business Award startup of the year and obviously that was a startup of the year award and we won it and and it felt really good and and we were very proud that we were both female founders and we won this award we've been mentioned on NatWest uh, top 100 companies as well so I think I feel more satisfaction probably when I kind of make it to list because I do I do sometimes feel I don't want us to be in a bubble of thinking this is our world because the real world is not just female the real world is men and women and and I give you an example most of the um, so we've we've been we raised money in January and prior to that we've been doing a lot of pitches and um, and, and yes, there is the there is a big kind of gap between uh, women going for funding and men. So every almost so I've I've done three pitches that are to big groups of angel investors, and two of them I was the only female uh, pitching, and the third one there was two women out of ten companies. So yes, the ratio is low. Um, but you know, it's, it's, you know, you still have to push and, and go forward and, and fight your way. And, and, and an interesting story, I think that me and my co-founder kind of suffered from before when we were first raising money, um, we were being faced with a lot of no's and application after application we couldn't even get to pitch in front of people because you just get rejected right from the outset and that got it was very very disheartening and coupled with the statistics that you hear and you see um all over the place about women getting one percent oh. of uh, women just getting uh, it's it's very very kind of disheartening and me and my co-founder it really got us down at the time because we thought we're not getting money because we're female founders and, and it's almost like it got us into a little bit and, and we pick ourselves up we continue to fight obviously but it, you you get into that self-pity and I hated that and then very and of course we kept persevering and we raised money we raised money with an institutional investor as well um, and then we started to get traction. Now, one of the first questions you get asked at, uh, about when you're raising money is how much traction do you have? How many users? How many clients? And we had a very basic traction when we were raising the first time. But when we were, came to raise this time, our traction was in the thousands. And you'd be surprised the reaction we got from investors. We were getting through the door we were um, we were able to pitch, and we were getting a lot more positive reaction than we did uh, prior to that. And and I remember once um, I got through a very difficult kind of angel group to pitch to, as in very difficult to get into to pitch in front of them. And they were so positive, and they were incredible, and they loved my pitch, and they were full of praise. 
And when I left it, I called Patricia, my co-founder, and I said to her, Patricia, it's not us, it's not the business, it's the traction. And that was the, the moment that I felt really good. So we were getting rejections, not because we were female founders, not because we were not good enough or the business is not good enough, but basically people wanted to see more traction before they put in money because that reduced the risk for them. Yep. But that's a very important thing to keep in mind. Uh, despite all the doom and gloom, I don't believe people will reject you. Of course, there is some subconscious bias. Of course, there are the, the male-dominated clubs out there. But that should never, ever stop you. Because if you have a good product and if you have traction, you will get the investment. I think I'm going to have to quote you on that. That's, absolutely, <laughs> that's a brilliant, brilliant story. Like you've just encompassed so much that that I just love, you know, about resilience, about the fact that you've had to go through so many pitches, so many, so many no's, you've had the feelings of rejection, you've had the feelings of getting tired because you're jumping over so many hurdles, you're feeling dejected, but you carry on, and then you get to a point where you're like, right, actually, this is the key, I need to go there with evidence, I need to have the traction, once I've got that, actually, the response is very different, and people out there now listening to that, that's just that's a brilliant brilliant message to be sharing so i really appreciate you sharing that story yeah. and it takes me quite nicely onto the future for you so you've, you've achieved so much in the business so far what would you say is next on the horizon for vloop so there is a lot of interesting things happening i mean we are at the moment in the lockdown so things have slowed down a little bit um and we're trying to figure out what it, what we're going to do in certain ways. But um, we are looking into partnerships with bigger retailers in the future, which is very exciting. And there are some interesting features that are going to come up about VLOOP in some media. So I can't say much about oh, that. Exciting. <laughs> yeah. So there is a lot. But what we're also trying to do is we are – because – our business is about shopping online and all these luxuries that we uh, enjoyed before the whole COVID-19 started. And what we're now doing, we are actually trying to think about ways to also create a project to, for us to kind of help the community and give back um, because, you know, we, we are kind of experienced with payment and with approval. There is a lot of vulnerable people out there that are relying on um, other people to help them. And there is also the uh, friction around payments. So we're also looking to help the community by creating a product on the site to help with uh, payment for vulnerable people where they can get their family involved in a similar concept to Vilu, because we want to utilize what we have, but involving family to help them with those payments. So we're looking at something along those lines to, to help in this crisis. I, I think that's a, a great, great idea to be looking at um, some of the vulnerable people in society because it's something that's, that's on my mind quite a lot. Like I, I have um, a grandmother in her 90s um, and her, for, for anyone to drop off food at her house, she's very stubborn and she doesn't want other people to be paying for her she wants to pay for herself but how, how do we get her card you know it's it's very very complex and i know that there'll be 
um, other people where you'll want to you'll want to um, sign off or pay for for whatever the food or, or whatever it may be that needs to be sent so I think that's a great great idea especially at the moment like absolutely perfect um so yeah. Randa I've got to say you've been absolutely brilliant on this podcast today like I've, I've written pages and pages of notes I don't know exactly which bit I'm going to quote you on because I think you've left us all with such positive messages and lessons oh, yeah and really good lessons that we can all learn from whether we're thinking about joining fintech or in fintech at the moment and thinking about starting up our own business and um, after this crisis obviously um but i, I think you've, you've really shared some fantastic learns so thank you so much for um being the guest today on our women of fintech podcast series and everybody listening thank you for joining us thank also. you for having me thank you nadia Thank you.